Good morning. I would also like to welcome you to the services this morning. If you're visiting with us, especially want to thank you for being here. Kindly ask you to stick around just a moment. Let us introduce ourselves. Introduce you to La Prada. Uh, the church family here is, is glad that, that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. You know, the last time I stood before you, the topic of discussion was the Holy Spirit, specifically how the Holy Spirit works within us, and the fact that one can only receive the Holy Spirit through choosing to be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. This morning, I want to focus for a few minutes on the Word. Now, before we get started here, I apologize. Those that uh, know me know that I'm not Mr. Computer, and and I put together a PowerPoint that probably should not have taken a lot of time to put together, but it took me forever. And I come to church this morning for our technology guys to tell me that it's not there. So uh, my apologies. We are going to be covering a lot of scripture this morning. If you would like to flip with me in the book, we're going to be uh, covering primarily verses out of John and the book of 1 John. As a matter of fact, the passage this morning is going to be John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. But again, I want to spend a few minutes discussing the Word. <clears throat> what exactly does that mean? How does the Word work within us in our lives? You know, we've all heard the saying, actions speak louder than words, and, and quite frankly, that carries significance. But, but in turn, we recognize that actions with words seem to convey our message, our thought, much more effectively. And this is exactly what God has done. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, ensuring that his actions and what he taught would be just that, what God wanted us to know. Now, this included actions such as miracles, healing, raising of the dead, his very death and resurrection, his words, such as God's love, forgiveness, our salvation, the kingdom of God. He's given that to us so that we can understand. He's given us guidance. You know, in the book of John, all of this really can be seen in the first few verses. John covers Jesus' existence from before the beginning, as in all eternity, as well as he covers his identity as God. And this includes his relationship with not only God, but man. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You know, John's choice of words here, the exact same as Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So his word choice there is, is, is exactly the same. In these verses, John shows the word was with God and was God. This tells us that all things, that includes everything that we've ever seen, everything you've heard about, they were made by him. The Word is the fulfillment 
of God's plan. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it reads, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and shew it unto you, that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Here he's telling us that Jesus is the manifestation of God, seen both in his actions and in his words. Now let's consider Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And it reads, Who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his, image of the, his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. fact is, Jesus is and was God in his brightness and glory. Consider what Philip asked Jesus. John 14, verse 9. Jesus answered and said unto him, Have I been so long time with you that ye has not known me, Philip? He that have seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? You know, the Greek word that John's using here is logos. Logos, which is the word to describe Jesus. Now, if you look that up in Strong's 3056, logos is a word, an embodying idea. A statement, a speech. So you've got to consider that when you read it. Webster's gives two definitions, the first being the divine wisdom manifest in the creation, government, and the redemption of the world, and often identified with the second person of the Trinity. The second definition reads, As reason that in an ancient Greek philosophy is the controlling principle of the universe. Well, that carries significance. See, when when John says logos, it means something significant to both the Jewish people at that time and also the Gentiles, the Gentile believers. See, the Jewish people thought that it was referring to God's healing power and his deliverance. So in Psalms 107, verse 20, it reads, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. But then again in Psalms 33 and verse 6, the term is also used with creation. It says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. See, the word of the Lord in that passage the word of the Lord was God's talking to his people how did he do that? he did that through prophets I consider Hosea 1 verse 10 it says yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea which cannot be measured nor numbered and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them ye are not my people there it shall be said unto them Ye are the sons 
of the living God. You are the sons of the living God. So to the Jews, they saw it as a standard of holiness found only within the law, whereas the Gentiles looked at it a little different. When they saw it as the law, Psalms 119, verse 11, Thy word have I had in my mind, whore, that I might not sin against thee. So for the Jewish people, the word was the complete expression of God. Now, Greek philosophy shows us that the word logos indeed was significant to the Gentiles because it was commonly used in discussing reason and thought. So you can see how the Jews and the Gentiles received this a little bit different. They viewed it as a tool that was used to shape or direct direct all things in accordance to God. So regardless of the name, the term, the title, when, when they heard the word, it referred to the creator of all things. You know, John didn't want to place this sort of definition upon the name so that the readers had doubt. He needed there to be understanding and confidence. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 14, it reads, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he beheld this glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Again in John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, it reads, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. You know, from John's opening statement, we see three aspects of Jesus being the Word. Jesus is the Word. His existence. You know, in the passage, we we see in verse 1 that Jesus is none other than the Lord God who is eternal. There was never a time when Jesus didn't exist. In John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. So the the key to Jesus and his eternal existence is found in that word was, right? Now notice that John begins exactly, as I mentioned before, how God began in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. And John replaced God's name with the word. In the beginning was the word. But he also inserts the word was, which in the Greek describes a continuous action. So a more accurate translation, keeping that definition of was in mind, would be in the beginning the word continually was. And the word was continually with God. And the word continually was God. So we could say that Jesus was before creation ever ever began. Jesus was there. Meaning that before matter was created, there was the word 
or there was Jesus. Because literally there has never been a time when Jesus wasn't. He's always been. His existence truly is eternal. Now since he he has always been and continually is in the presence of God, then Jesus, the Word, is God. You know, John says, and the Word was God. John speaks to his eternal existence. John 17 and verse 5, and and now, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> and know, Father, now, o Father, glorify thy name with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was created. The glory I had with thee before the world was created. So Jesus was before creation. And although he, he lived just as we do, he was a man. He faced the struggles of life, all the temptations, and he did so perfectly. He was not ever bound by time. Meaning that Jesus' existence is eternal because he is God. Now his identity, the last portion of the first verse gives us a picture of the identity of the word. Jesus. It says, and the word was God. So we see the same thing when we look at the name Jesus used for himself, when he referred to himself as the I am. You know, we first see him as the creator in John chapter 1 verse 3. It reads, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. This tells us that literally nothing is outside of or larger than Jesus' ability to create. There's nothing bigger. It is him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 reads, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, Jesus, the Word, is the creator of all things, including the new person that we become when we are baptized for the remission of our sin. Jesus created that. He created us. Now, some say, you know, if you, if you ask somebody, and I think that... It, that oftentimes the answer is given without much thought. But if you ask somebody, you know, who is the creator of all things? Well, naturally, they'll say, well, God created all things. And indeed, that is correct. But that's because it's the Godhead or the Trinity that created all things. The three members of the Godhead are God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Consider what Paul wrote to the church in Colossians. It's going to be Colossians 1, specifically verses 15 through 17. Verses 15 through 17. It says, 
Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So here Paul calls Jesus the firstborn over all creation. The term firstborn in the Greek is prototokos, if I'm pronouncing that right. I wish I had it on the screen so you could see how it's spelled. Prototokos, Strong's 4416, refers to the first among others that will follow. As with the preeminent glorified Christ, the eternal Logos, who possesses self-existent life. So when we read the firstborn over all creation, we see that it has absolutely nothing to do with time or space. It's referring to being firstborn based on importance and preeminence, not birth order. Another example of that can be found when God, excuse me, when God called King David firstborn. Psalms eighty nine twenty seven. Also, I make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. But we know through studies that David indeed was not the firstborn of Jesse. Matter of fact, he was the lastborn. As a matter of fact. When Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel, he wasn't even called in from the field. He wasn't deemed to be in the running. He was not the firstborn. God, however, placed David in a position of prominence by making him king. And it is from his line of descendants that Jesus, the Messiah, would come. So what Paul says is that Jesus is preeminent over all creation, speaking of his authority over everything, everything that's created. Jesus is the creator. You know, secondly, he is referred to as the light. John makes it clear that God is indeed the light. First John chapter 1, verse 5. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So this is what John speaks about, about Jesus, the Word, right? 1 John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 reads, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. You know, if we continue, verses 6 through 9, it tells us that, that our mission is to declare Jesus as the true light. Now, for a moment, consider the fact that darkness can only increase when? When light decreases. They cannot coexist. But darkness is nothing more than the absence of light, right? 
So when light's taken away, darkness is all that's left. However, light is shining and darkness is gone. John tells us that the light of Jesus continually shines, which means that when darkness of sin invades our life, when we feel like we're just being beat down, when we've made those mistakes, what is it that that brings light to the occasion, recognition, reproof. It's the light of Jesus. But that, that, that light only shines within us if we allow it. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 46, I, I am come a light unto the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And again, he speaks in Revelations 22, 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. See, it's the light of Jesus that saves us from the darkness of this world. Jesus, his desire is to be our bright and morning star if we choose to accept it. You know, next, John refers to his relationship, speaking of Jesus. He gives us an aspect of Jesus being the Word, and he speaks to his relationship with the Father and with us. You know, when somebody studies Scripture, it's all of us, right? we quickly realize that Jesus is, has, and will continue to do what? To seek a relationship with us. That's what he's trying to do. See, the word is very relational in nature. He lives in a relationship with himself, being the Godhead. Our God is one, And that is clearly stated in the scripture. But the Bible goes on to make it clear that God eternally exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, which is the Word, and the Holy Spirit. God exists in a relationship. And this relationship is seen in the Godhead from the the creation to this very day. Let's look at Genesis 1, verse 26. It reads, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Let us make man in our own image. See, it's clear in the writings of John that the words are Jesus' relationship with God and man has always been there. Since the creation of Adam and Eve, that desire for a relationship has always been. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. 
and the Word was God. So the Word was with God. Here the word with means towards. And that indicates that Jesus and the Father had a face-to-face relationship. Jesus, being the Word, is one with the Father and the Spirit. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So again, the word with shows that Jesus was and always has been in a relationship with the Father before time existed. Before creation, they shared that relationship. Now let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. See, it was Jesus's, It was the purpose of Jesus to be the light for mankind. That was his purpose. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 10, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness, darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. You see, mankind's relationship is not like that of Jesus' relationship with the Father, because we can be and have been what? Selfish, prideful, and by nature, we can choose to follow or not. But if we choose to follow the gospel, if we choose to follow God's plan of salvation, We are promised an eternity in heaven. And that's like the which that we can't comprehend. More valuable than all the riches of the world, but what is that worth? We have the blessing of an eternal home in heaven, praising our Lord and Savior. Now we see in verse 10 through 13 that people can either ignore Jesus, they can reject him, or they can choose to become a child of God. That's it. There are, are no other options. First John chapter 1, verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. You know, unfortunately, for many in our world, the name Jesus really doesn't trigger anything. It doesn't prick the conscience. It's just, it's just a word. Many don't even know him, right? 
I mean, consider how often you hear Jesus' name used in a way to express disappointment or frustration on a daily basis outside the confines of the church or your church family. It's sad, but it's there. It's often seen. John 1, verse 11, He came into his own, and his own received him not. See, here it was originally speaking to the Jewish people when it was written. But it clearly speaks to everyone. Why? Because we're all made in the image and the likeness of God. We're all perfect in his eyes as far as his creation. So why do so many people reject him? Have you ever given thought to that? You know, oftentimes it seems that the word, Jesus, just really doesn't fit into their lives based on their own selfish wants and desires, their ambitions. They don't have time for Jesus and God. John 3, verses 19 through 20. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Today, many prefer the darkness to cover up what? To cover up their evil desires, cover up what they're doing. They don't want it to be seen. Because turning to the light requires self-reflection. It requires humility. Neither of which promotes any type of lust or satisfaction concerning their short-term gratification, which is typically what they're seeking. You know, the other choice is to begin and nurture a relationship with the Word. How do we do that? We do that by accepting his invitation. John 1, verses 12 through 13 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Going further, let's consider what Jesus said to Nicodemus. John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that's because it's through the accepting of Jesus Christ, through accepting the word of God, that we become a child of God. That's only made possible through Jesus and the blood that was shed on that cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Because you see, it's, it's the Word, which is Jesus, that created all things. He is the giver of life and the only true light in this dark, dark world. See, Jesus is the only way that God provided his message of truth and light to humanity. This is what he gave us. He gave us a son that was perfect and lived amongst us. We can 
reflect back on his actions. We can reflect back on his words through Scripture. Our Lord and Savior gave us the path to eternal salvation. Now the Apostle, excuse me, not Paul, but the Apostle John called Jesus the Word because he was and he is the message given by God. That's why he's referred to as the Word. And it was his actions and his words, talking about the actions and words of Jesus Christ, that conveys God's hope that's given to each of us. What's that hope? That's the hope of an eternal life in heaven. So what's all this mean? comes down to the question. The Word, Jesus Christ, He seeks a relationship with you and I. Are we going to ignore it? Are we going to reject it? Are we going to choose to be a child of God? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. You know, this morning I hope that you've, you've learned a little bit or given further thought, perhaps, to the Word and His role in our life, His role in the Trinity. Jesus created each of us in His image. And his hope is to have a relationship with every single person that has ever lived and every single person that is living and every single person that is to come. That is his hope. But we have to, we have to accept the fact that he's also given us free will. He's given us the opportunity to choose to follow him and in doing so, have our sins forgiven through baptism or he's given us the ability to reject him or just flat ignore him. My hope is that all will come to know Jesus because that is our purpose in showing that he is the true light. But that is a decision that we have to make in choosing to follow God. This morning, if you feel that you've been sufficiently taught, you recognize that you haven't followed the gospel, but your desire is to be baptized, to become a child of God, to have your sins forgiven, then I'm going to encourage you here in a moment to come forward. But perhaps you're here this morning. You recognize that your life is incomplete. You recognize that you need to study. You need to understand what the gospel message is. Then then I'm going to encourage you to come forward also as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Broken heart, so dark.